welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Welcome. Today, we're going to talk about The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. And so we'll start with just kind of like a little overview. And then I thought we could kind of talk about specific points, kind of almost like chapter by chapter. She does a really good job of like breaking it up. So essentially, she is a person that has kind of facilitated gatherings in a variety of different settings in a lot of different areas, social gatherings, political gatherings, work-related gatherings. And she kind of talks about different aspects of gathering and intentional kind of planning that goes into each gathering and what kind of makes gatherings go really, really well. So I thought we could talk a little bit kind of specifics, what she talks about, and then general discussion of what our impressions were of the book. So she starts off by talking about why. So identifying a purpose of a gathering is kind of the first step that she feels is most important to take. And she talks about that the specific purpose helps eliminate the we've always done it this way kind of aspect. And I really like that because I think a lot of times meetings or even social gatherings like showers are wedding showers, baby showers are kind of done a certain way because we've always done it that way. So what did you guys think about like this idea of purpose? Any thoughts that you guys had about identifying a purpose? Times that's gone well. So I love this idea. I think especially, you know, I'm from Texas, you know, there's a lot of these Southern traditions. And so a lot of gatherings, it's a lot more about the form. You know, how is the table going to be set? What are you going to serve? Right? It's all about those details. And so I don't think I had ever heard of a gathering framed in terms of what's the purpose. I'm so yeah. I love the concept. I will tell you that since I probably listened to her podcast with Brene Brown from back in the fall, and then I started reading the book around then. And so for the past nine months been thinking about this. And it's really hard for me to kind of think of a purpose. Yeah. Does that make sense? Especially yeah. something that she talks about as being unique, being disputable. What were some of the other and variables? Specific. And, yeah. specific, and specific. That it's been really tricky. And so I appreciated some of the examples she had, but mm-hmm. then that has made it, it's been hard for me to translate to like wrap my head around it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it, it is. I'm so used to things events being category based. That's mm-hmm. I think a lot of people go that route. Like, well, we're having a birthday party right. and that's the purpose of it. Right. <laughs> it's a birthday party or we're having a wedding. That's the purpose. It's right. a wedding. But she talks about going like much deeper mm-hmm. into what it is that you're wanting out of these gatherings, which I thought was really interesting. Agreed. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting. We were re- I was reading this book and we had this family reunion over the summer and we had a couple in our family that had planned, I think, three different weddings over the pandemic experience and kind of kept getting canceled and pared down, et cetera. And so we decided that we were going to have like a reception, like a celebration. And really what we all talked about is what we wanted was to have a dance party so that one of my uncles, who was pretty like buttoned up, he at a last family gathering, he danced with like glow sticks. And what we all decided <laughs> is that we wanted to see Uncle Bob dance with glow sticks again. Yeah. Like that was yeah. our kind of disputable purpose. Right. And so we bought glow sticks and we had the most amazing dance party. And yes, it was celebrating Kevin and Liz. And it was also celebrating that we've all made it through this pandemic and like we get to dance and hug on each other. But we had this really specific idea in mind. And it was kind of nice because it was like, well, it doesn't really matter what else we get as long as we get the glow sticks. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like that. It's kind of silly example, but I I agree. I think we get so bogged down in the logistics and the different etiquette based stuff that we can sometimes lose like this purpose. 
It's interesting. So I had tried, I probably had read not too far into the book, but I definitely read this part about the purpose, you know, back in the spring, Charlotte, my younger daughter turned 10. And so thinking about her birthday party and how can I integrate some of this? And so like the purpose and yes, it's her birthday, but she was 10, right? So like maybe to like celebrate this past decade of her life. And so the one thing I kind of came up with that we ended up doing, which was beautiful was I came up with like four questions that I sent unbeknownst to Charlotte, like sent to everyone in the family Mm. who was going to be at her party. And so they were questions like, what's your favorite memory of Charlotte over Mm. the past decade? What are the gifts that you see that Charlotte brings to the Mm. world? So like a few little things and part of the party, you know, we got them out and we kind of read through them all and you could just see her. It's kind of like she's getting this incredible feedback of how the world sees her, right? It's something that she can kind of tuck away and keep with keep with her and like read over the years to come. So it was really special. Mm, so you know? powerful. Yeah. But just a little something that took a little like thought and trying to think outside the box and mm-hmm. a little planning that really shifted kind of the, the energy and focus right. of it. Uh, right. And I think that's kind of the point that she makes too, is that we have to keep whittling down instead of just these like, well, you know, they're having a baby. We have to celebrate the baby. Like really kind of what are we going to celebrate? Is it the passage from like non-parent to parent? Is it, what are the specific purposes that we want this to fulfill? And I love her like rationale behind this is that when we gather like in an intentional way, we have the capacity to do something that's really transformative and maybe far more meaningful Mm. that leaves a different sort of an impact, something that becomes like special in some way. That's right. Anything else on why or purpose? Any other thoughts? No, I mean, I liked her emphasis on the importance of time, right? Like Mm. that time is our most important commodity, she Mm. says. And so when we are purposeful, we're respecting other people's Mm. time, our time, and it just shows like how, how thoughtful we are with that gift of time. Sure. Mm -hmm. And even, I think she talks about this somewhere in there too, that that creates like purpose also creates a filter of do we even need to That's gather? Right. Right. That's right. 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 Is this some like an especially work related things? Like, <laughs> yes. do we need to have a meeting or is this all stuff that could be covered in an email? And how do we give people their time back if right. it's not something we really need to gather for? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. The next thing she talks about is the who. Who to invite, who to exclude. And she kind of talks about this like closing doors, like who to include and then who to exclude. And she talks about this idea of like good exclusion. She kind of describes it. And I think we've all had this experience where you feel like the more the merrier, or I have to include them because they're a friend of mine, or I need to include them because it's a, a a family member. And she actually kind of breaks it down into size. Like there's a a different levels of six is a really intimate gathering. 12 to 15 is a larger kind of type of gathering. 30 plus is more like a party. I mean, she kind of has this really clear description of what different sizes can mean and the vibe it can kind of give the party. But I'm interested, have you guys ever done this good exclusion? Like that was such a foreign concept to me to intentionally exclude for like the betterment of the party or the betterment of the gathering. What was your response to that? I'm trying to think if I've done that purposefully. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not so much purposefully, Mm -hmm. maybe accidentally that has happened. Mm -hmm. But I think Robert, a lot of times, you know, is kind of like more the merrier. Mm -hmm. And so we have a tendency to Mm -hmm. invite, you know, when we do whatever it is that we're we're doing, whatever kind of, of gathering or party that we're throwing without probably really thinking through who the guest list is going to be, who we're going to invite and who we're not. Yeah. Yeah. I was laughing at her at the things about the numbers and the group sizes, mm-hmm. because really if left to my preference, like 
every single gathering would probably have less than six people, <laughs> right? Like I'm such a small group person. Mm-hmm. So it was funny for me to hear her like, okay, over 30, that's when it becomes a party. And I was laughing. I was like, I don't think I like parties, right? Like it's just a very different like energy. And so I think I probably end up excluding simply by the like size mm-hmm. restriction, but not so much thinking about like the purpose. Mm-hmm. And I like, this is where she talks about the bobs. Like we all yes, have the bob, yes, yes. right? And so anyone want to share what the bob was? Go ahead. Okay. So like the bob, she talks about, we all have this bob. Like he's like the uncle or the cousin's boyfriend or someone who doesn't detract from the gathering. It's not someone who's going to come and like be a total mess and really take away, but they just don't add much either. Right. And so like, mm-hmm. what harm is the bob? Mm-hmm. Right. Which I thought that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very funny. I think one time I remember kind of this decision to exclude, so to speak, is that with my daughter's like birthday parties, like when she was really little, we had like these big family gatherings. And then as she got older, it kind of naturally occurred that like what she wanted were her friends to come over. And we're probably not going to invite her grandparents and uncle to a sleepover for eight-year-olds. But it was kind of this, wow, this isn't something we're going to have to intentionally decide that we're like the big family birthday parties are are stopping and the collection of same age peers are starting. And I remember that being kind of sad and kind of hard, but intentional. I mean, that was an intentional change that we had to make. Yeah, Yeah. I will say, yes, that in that instance, what I'm finding is we'll end up doing like two things. So we'll do something like with just family and then we'll do something maybe with a few of their friends or some of their friends. We'll end up having two different events. Mm Mm-hmm which as they've gotten older, it seems like they kind of prefer it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because then otherwise you have these like two worlds yes, colliding yeah. kind of situation, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. can be kind of awkward and uncomfortable yeah. to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked her point also about excluding wasn't to make it homogenous and like get rid of the right. diversity. But if you exclude purposefully, you're trying to kind of leverage and create like meaningful diversity mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of thinking about you guys, how do you create guest lists? I mean, are you kind of more this like the more the merrier? Do you try to have kind of more purpose about what you're doing when you're creating a guest list for a gathering? How do you guys go about doing that? I think I haven't been like, I mean, again, tremendously purposeful in the past. Mm -hmm. I think it's been, okay, who do we know? Who's coming to this cookie exchange party or this Halloween costume party? Who are we going to invite? And all right, let's make a list of everybody that we know. And then let's go ahead and send an invite, see where it lands and see who comes. That's kind of... (laughs) Oh, well, it's I've been, been to just, your gatherings. I've know. always had a really good time at those too. I mean, yeah. I, I think that there's, and I think this would fall into the category that she would call a party. Yes. And they are, I mm-hmm. think for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe not so purposeful. And Robert recently, as of a couple of days ago, wants to have this couple that we know come over and also their relatives that are from Mexico who are coming in to help her because she's going to be having a baby. And so he wanted us to have like a dinner. And then he thought, oh, well, how about this other couple who we're also close to? And I was like, "Mm, I don't think like that's quite the vibe that we're we're wanting to go with. Mm -hmm. And so I will say, yes, recently. Purposeful exclusion. Yes, yes, I Mm -hmm. I think not them. You know, the purpose is really to like welcome her family into ours. Mm -hmm. And so let's not let's have the focus be on them. Yeah. Interesting because she permits a lot of gathering in a way to bring different people together yeah. to get them to meet. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And I think when I plan a gathering, I tend to invite people who are, know, each know each other, other. already. Yeah. yeah. Right. And have like the clusters, like these people fit well and have these things in common and already know each other. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it's a very different way of thinking about it from that standpoint, too. Yeah. yeah, for sure. 
The next thing she talks about is where and venue. And she talks about that, you know, a venue comes with a script, comes with a nudge. It, she also talks about how it's laid out, the area, the density. And she really makes a point that the space should not be defined by logistics, which I'm going to tell you, I had kind of a reaction to because I was kind of thinking, you know, in my life, space is almost always defined by logistics. Like we have to find space that's free or low cost. We're not going to meet for parents club at some fancy place that maybe has the aesthetic that we want. We're going to meet in the gym because it's free and available. And so I, I kind of had this like, yep, that would be nice to have every gathering at a very specific venue. But it was kind of like that just didn't feel super practical to me in my everyday life. But what were your reactions to that? Her idea of like venue and the where? I mean, for me, most of the time it's at my house. Right. <laughs> just because it's convenient, I can walk downstairs and mm-hmm. ta-da, there everyone is. So I don't, I honestly haven't put that much thought into it in the past, just mainly out of convenience. You know, yeah. you say that, Jamie, but actually, just as you were saying that, you have, though, put a lot of thought into how, into your house being a venue. I mean, being at your house, like your house is set up as a really nice venue because you do entertain a lot. Mm -hmm. So that's actually just just shifted my thinking a little bit, just as you were saying that, that like your backyard is really set up to be a really nice venue. And you're I mean, you know, so I think maybe that's I don't know. It is. And I can tell you that since we've redone the backyard, redone the patio and all of that kind of stuff, that it creates even more of an intimate, homier Mm -hmm. environment. I mean, again, depending on how many people we have and and who's coming over, but to sit out on Mm -hmm. the on the patio that's been redone has been very, very nice. And I've enjoyed it immensely. And I think I think most people that come over do, too. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. so how would that even look? though? So I'm sitting here thinking, let's say one of our children was having a birthday party. Let's say you were going to use the venue like she talks about. And let's say you didn't have budget constraints. You didn't have all those things that might like get in the way. How would you even start to think about choosing a venue? Right. And I think what she would probably say if she were here is it has to go back to the purpose. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And one story that she told that I really did connect with is that there was this, um, I think, a meeting of people that were meeting to conserve the ocean. And they were going to actually be meeting in like a building right. adjacent to the ocean. And she's like, why are we not going out and putting yes. our feet in the ocean? Yeah, they had no break time. They had no right. break time. Like, we don't have time to go see the ocean. The ocean. And, and it was like, obviously, that's a, a combining force for them at this like love of the ocean. And so mm-hmm. that felt like a, I won't say obvious, because I think that probably happens a lot, but that felt more of like a layup. It's like, if there's an ocean right out there, why do we not get our feet dirty the, or sandy the whole time that we're together. And that, again, was kind of driven by that purpose. And I think when venue is selected, like for weddings, I think about, or other kinds of more formal gatherings mm-hmm. like that, I think it does go back to purpose. But yeah, so I mean, so maybe if the purpose is to have a fun birthday party where like maybe multiple groups of people that don't know each other are going to be there together, maybe like a movie at a movie theater would be nicer than like a sit down tea or a restaurant kind of experience. I don't know, like that might be one mm-hmm. thought for venue that I'm kind of mm-hmm. thinking about. Mm-hmm. What for you, Lucy? What are you thinking about? You know, I I don't know. I mean, I guess I mean you're right. It would have to go back to the purpose of mm-hmm. what are you wanting to do. And I would think the purpose of when I'm thinking of it's like a birthday party, like who is this child and what might I don't know if you have a kid who loves fish, like right. do you go to the aquarium, right? I don't know, like so mm-hmm. setting that fits. Mm-hmm. So the next thing she kind of talks about is the gathering itself and kind of how to 
who to be, how to show up in the gathering. And she talks about this idea of like, don't be a chill host. And actually the quote, I wrote it down is chill is a miserable attitude when it comes to hosting gatherings. So my first question would be agree or disagree. Do you feel like chill is a miserable attitude when it comes to hosting gatherings? I feel like that's just kind of who I am. (laughs) So, yeah, I I did have a little bit of a reaction to to that. I mean, and I I get her her point that if you're wanting to have something special and memorable to just kind of leave it up to chance or depend on your guests to to kind of take the, the ownership of that. That's not really that's not really what you should be doing. You know, you should be kind of this. I forgot what she refers to, like generous, generous authority. authority. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So you like as the host exercising your control over the the gathering is, is actually like a, a kind and consistent thing to do. And so I'm like, yeah, okay. I I see the point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I don't know that I have thrown many gatherings where that's come into play. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe I've just never thought about it. Do my guests need someone to kind of keep them on track or to fill the space? Mm -hmm. I think I've always felt like that they could just do that on their own. And so Mm -hmm. I could relate to some of that about like not wanting to impose, not wanting to be overly controlling and rigid. Right. And, And I think most of my gatherings are pretty my social gatherings that I host are pretty chill. I mean, I, I think it's like, I do focus on the food and the wine or the cocktails yeah. and then kind of let everything else play out. One gathering that I do most years with a certain group of friends, we we call it Posadas and it's over Christmas. And we, it's like a progressive dinner that we go from like one to mm-hmm. another. And we have a wonderful host for that. And she always arranges it. And I'm sure it's a lot, it is a lot of work for her, but she, I mean, we obviously keep hosting, you know, different places. So like other people are responsible for food and drink, et cetera, but she's responsible for the guest list. She's responsible for keeping us on time. So she can like set a timer when we get to a certain location. So we know when to wrap up and keep moving. And so I, I've certainly been the recipient of this like generous authority. I like it. It feels good to have that control in place. It is a different experience. I mean, I don't remember all the pizza parties I've thrown, but I do remember Posadas. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it well, definitely the changes with the experience. These, these retreats we've all been on. That's right. right. You know, right. Have, they have the same leader and she has a lovely generous authority in terms of like holding Absolutely. the boundaries and setting up the space in a way. Um, I think that she exemplifies a lot of these principles or those gatherings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, I think this idea of generous authority kind of noticing and being aware of the power that you do have over the gathering and not necessarily, and just being intentional about that and kind of knowing that, that you have it. And, and even if it's something as simple as like letting people know where the food or what, what the flow is or what, if there's something, you know, like the cookie exchange, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. about that, like, okay, we're going to have the cookies. We're going to like kind of letting people know, and it may still be pretty unstructured, but kind of being aware that you have that authority. Mm -hmm. She also talked about it kind of is protecting, equalizing, and connecting your guests. And so trying to, I think especially when things are more formalized or have like a flow to them, that you're going to protect the guests from having that like flow hijacked. And then also trying to connect them if, if they're not already connected. So how do you guys feel about hosting with generous authority? Like how does that feel for you guys as a concept when you think about hosting your next get together with generous authority? I was thinking about this. My daughter and I have joined this like mother daughter thing. And so it, we had this commitment over like several years, but we had a, our first meeting in the spring. And so they separated out the mom and the kids and it was on Zoom because of the pandemic. But they had us in there and then they just went through some like bullet points and then sent us on our way. So we'd had like a, an hour and a half blocked. 
But I remember leaving that and thinking like that was that was fine, but gosh, it was kind of a missed opportunity mm. to have used this generous authority, right? So you mm-hmm. have all of us who've never met each other. If we had been in person, there would have been kind of the floating around the room and what's your name and who's mm-hmm. your daughter and you know mm-hmm. where do you live and what do you do? And how could they have recreated some of that on Zoom? We had time, but I was like, that would have been mm-hmm. a really cool opportunity to have structured in something that would have worked on building this group dynamic and worked on creating connection rather than just disseminating information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do think noticing when that is done well, I think even like really formal gatherings like religious services or weddings or funerals, there is a host for those gatherings, whether it's the wedding coordinator or the, the priest or minister at church that really does say like, take that authority on. But I'm going to be honest, that feels so overwhelming to me right now to try to like even gathering feels a little overwhelming to me right now, I'll be honest. The idea of like just all those logistics, but to have this added responsibility, I don't know, it feels like stressful. Mm-hmm. It feels kind of like a lot. Yeah, to be doing that while you're trying to like maybe manage some of the details right. of the right. event as well. Or like even remember how to like small talk, what do I right. do with my hands? Like yeah. there's still that piece of like, I don't really know how to be places that are real people-y right now. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really, like that feels a little uncomfortable. So she also talks about this idea of creating a temporary alternative world, which also sounded amazing to me, but a little overwhelming. But again, when it's done well, I think I notice it. So what are your thoughts about this alternative, amazing world creation? I have done that for my one of my <laughs> for Grace's birthday party. It this was a, a Harry Potter. It was a Harry Potter one. Yes, yes. And that was a lot of planning and a lot of work over quite a bit of time. But yes, we transformed my house and all aspects of the downstairs into like everything Harry Potter. Oh, wow. Uh, it took a while. Like everybody, you know, when you would walk in and I mean you could if you had robes, which most of the kids didn't have robes, but if you did, you could wear that. That would be terrific. You come in, you select your wand, which my sister had so lovingly made, like handcrafted these wands out of chopsticks and hot glue, and then she painted them and you select your wand. I mean, it was just, I don't know. It was really nice. I was very proud of that particular party that we had. That was a lot of fun. That's really cool. So she kind of talks about this like idea of rules versus etiquette, which I kind of like that because she talks about etiquette as kind of being this long term in and out, like you're either in it and you understand the rules or you're Mm -hmm. out and don't really get the rules. She talks about kind of these new gatherings that really have these very specific rules and the pop up rules. That's right. That's Uh right. And and that that's kind of a nice way to equalize the playing field, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter that you know what salad fork to use first. It's that these are the rules of the weekend and it kind of is can feel a little off putting at first, but it can feel very settling overall. She also talked about another idea under that same genre of this, like, I am here days. And I really liked that that. idea. Yeah. What did you think about that? I love that idea. And so she shares, and and the book is really nice from the standpoint of there are a lot of examples Mm -hmm. of like many types of gatherings and how all this comes into play. And I do, at least for me, feel like these were concepts that as you saw and heard more examples, like they became a little clearer. Mm -hmm. But this day she was talking about at some point, she and her husband started this day with maybe two other friends at the beginning. And it it ended up being like 12 hour long days where the commitment is to be here, present wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And they would kind Mm -hmm. of wander around different neighborhoods, go from one thing to another. And eventually like one person would be in charge of curating it. You know, one of the pop-up rules was that you Come when it ends, you have to stay the whole time. Mm -hmm. You can't touch your phone during the whole thing. You have to be here and present and like go along with the whole group for the whole thing. Yeah. So I thought those sounded really fun. 
So here are just kind of a couple of other things that she brought up. One thing that she talked about was one of the chapters is called Never Start a Funeral with Logistics. And I liked that because I thought it was really just this idea of being mindful of what the tenor of the of the crowd, kind of reading the room, so to speak, and kind of being intentional about how you both inviting the space between inviting and starting, how the gathering is started, and then how people are kind of pulled into it. I think she talks about like priming, which is kind of the inner inviting part, ushering, and then like the launching of the event. What so you could really have a full-time job at yeah. like creating a really good gathering. I mean, I think that that's what there are pieces of this that are so overwhelming because there's so many details you could consider, mm-hmm. right? So how you do your invitation, like maybe a little, and we, we, talked to the three of us talked about Disney as a good example mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. someone that primes or if you're taking a Disney World trip right and then maybe like you get your magic bands in the mail or you can kind of get maybe a map or an itinerary mm-hmm. or the weather mm-hmm. updates so like little things that kind of get you prepared along the way and then she talks about this other thing of like ushering people in this idea that mm-hmm. people are showing up at your gathering coming from all different mm-hmm. headspaces who mm-hmm. knows what they're doing before and so how do you create some sort of start and beginning mm-hmm. um, I left her example of maybe there was some sort of musical performance but when you came in they set you down for 30 minutes with noise canceling headphones on and almost seeing as as like a palate cleanser for your ears mm-hmm. and then in the 30 minutes like a, a gong would sound and people would take off their headphones and like the the show would begin but some very creative ways that mm-hmm. people thought of yeah. I read the chapter, I thought all the examples were interesting. And then I was like, whoo, this is a lot of work. This is a ton of work. But you know, it's got me thinking like, how could I do this? But on a smaller scale, much more simplistic, like what, what could I do to just kind of incorporate some of this? Like, how could I prime something? And it's just a kind of like an easy way. And she has some easy examples in there too getting people to think about the gathering ahead of time, maybe submitting a question to them and have them answer it and bring it with them. You know, when I do the cookie exchange, I ask people to think about cookies that they, a recipe that they would want to share with everybody else. And so think about that. A couple of other little points that she makes. One is keep your best self out of my gathering. So kind of like, how do you encourage people to show up authentically in your gathering. And then another one, I think this is more about the like kind of work-related gatherings of- Well, like the corporate world and conferences, how people Mm -hmm. show up with their resume all complete and their best self and Uh how do you kind of get people to be more genuine. More genuine. And then also this idea of causing good controversy, which I think is hopefully not going to happen necessarily like in a social setting. Like hopefully you're not having like a good controversy at a wedding. I don't know that's the time, but kind of this idea of like knowing the, again, the purpose. And if the purpose is to show up authentically and especially in a professional environment or to work through something, to be able to solve or problem solve an issue that you need to have that controversy. You can't just have this like polite conversation that's not going to get you where you need to go. So those are kind of things that she brought up, the the showing up authentically and setting that example for your guests or for your participants, causing that good controversy by kind of noticing like what's the unhelpful controversy and then what's unhelpful maybe to keep off limits, what topics do we typically keep off limits that may be more helpful to talk about. And then finally, she wraps it up as, you know, accepting that there's an end. And I like this part where she says, you know, a good ending kind of has a warning this idea last of like call. last call. Yeah, last yeah. Call. exactly. Yeah. What were y'all's thoughts about the wrap up, the ending? Yeah, I thought it was neat because most of my gatherings, people just sort of dwindle out, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, the door and, and it could be nice to mark the ending with, with something yeah. to mark it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I am like an ending and closing avoider. I am like a badass at that. Like I will sneak out of yoga <laughs> classes early. Like I'd like slip off at parties, right? Like I don't like the goodbye in the mm-hmm. ending quite often. And so that's harder for me, but I can mm-hmm. definitely see the importance and value. Yeah. My family will say like, I'm not a go home girl. Like I, I'm the opposite. I don't like to go home. I like to stay. <laughs> but she brings up this really great example of like, if you kind of see that things are dwindling or that you have a crowd that like some people are kind of dwindling and some people are wanting to stay about changing location. I love this idea of like mm-hmm. going from the dining room to the den. So if some people that gives them a nice exit, like Lucy, that might be a great time for you to exit, <laughs> but also kind of letting people know, hey, we're fine to keep talking but we're kind of giving people an exit ramp. I kind of yeah, liked that. Yeah. I liked that idea. She, didn't she also talk about that in terms of like, okay, we're going to have a nightcap, like a little right. bit of like last call uh-huh. energy to that uh-huh. too. Yeah. Uh-huh. A winding down. Like preparation of uh-huh. winding down. Exactly. So any other general thoughts, like generally speaking, what did you guys think or anything else that you guys gleaned from the book? I found it inspiring. I will mm. say that was one of the big things that, that, you know, there are lots of notes in my book, like on the margin being like, wow, what a cool idea or mm-hmm. how neat would that be? So there was a lot for me to sit with and think for. I get a little overwhelmed about practically speaking how to implement some of it, but I'm definitely curious about integrating some of this. I'll be honest, it was a little overwhelming and sometimes annoying when <laughs> when I was reading like all of the suggestions and like yeah. the 15 steps for this and this. And and so it was it was a lot. But, you know, when I step back and look at it, I think one of the biggest takeaways from the book for me is to just be a little more or not even a little more, but be more intentional with what I'm doing and why. So that way, hopefully it will just be more purposeful. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that was my feeling was I was feeling very kind of overwhelmed by it and kind of like, oh my gosh, there's there there are experts in this field. Like who am I to try to implement any of this? But I think that that idea of like mindful, intentional kind of decision-making really was was the thing that stuck with me Mm -hmm. and kind of, and identifying the purpose. I really liked that part that that could be your kind of beacon as you're kind of trying to make decisions about how to intentionally gather. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say the other thing she said about the purpose, which I don't think we mentioned earlier, was that it then becomes a filter for like making all the other decisions, not only about who to invite, but where to have it, what to do, all of that. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for joining and we hope to see you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. dot